0: my life to have that relationship that only you could bring, one that gives me peace and joy contentment and all those things that the world misses by not knowing you as Savior. We just pray that you'd have your will and your way in the services tonight, guide, lead and direct in all things. In Jesus' name and for His sake, amen. In Acts chapter 5, we'll start in verse 17. We ended in verse 16 this morning says, then the high priest rose up, this is after um, the apostles were preaching and healing everyone, the high priest rose up and all they that were with him, which is the sect of the Sadducees, now sect just means a faction made up of people who choose to adopt a position contrary to the word of God. I took it off mute, Robert, I just didn't turn it on. So that's what a sect is. It's a faction made up of people who choose to adopt a position contrary to the Word of God. They're a sect, S-E-C-T, there in verse 17. The high priest rose up, all they that were with him, which is the sect of the Sadducees, and were filled with indignation, and laid their hands on the apostles and put them in the common prison. But the angel of the Lord by night opened the prison doors and brought brought them forth and said... Go stand and speak in the temple to the people all the words of this life. Boy, I like that. All the words of this life. Christianity changes your life. Christianity is a way of life. Jesus said in John fourteen six, I am the way, the truth, and the life. That's what it is all about. It is all about... Changing your life so that your life is now more conformed to the life that God intended for you to have. As you know, Revelation 4.11 is one of my favorite verses. The Bible says we are created for His pleasure. So people ask me, what's the will of God? And I just say, please God. We're created, Revelation 4.11, for His pleasure. Why do you exist? for his pleasure. So what's the problem with the world? Well the problem with the world is they don't understand what it takes to please God. Without faith it's impossible to please God. So I would tell you that you, you can't please God without faith because you can't walk with him lest you have faith. You can't know him unless you have faith. You can't pray to him unless you have faith because you got to pray that he, you got to believe by faith that he hears you. Come boldly before the throne of grace. You know what that takes? That takes faith. To think that you can pray a prayer and the God of the universe that said, let there be light and all of a sudden there's light. He says, "You know, let the dry land appear and all the world. The seas were made and the oceans were made and every river was made. And He just did that with His Word. That takes faith to believe that that God really would have time to spend time with you by listening to you. But the Bible says that he does, and you can't please him if you don't believe that. Go on back to verse 17. The high priest rose up, and all they that were with him, which is the sect of the Sadducees. Now, you've heard me say it many times, but look at chapter 23 of Acts. Chapter 23, because uh, repetition is the key to learning. If you're taught something one time, it doesn't always stick. So who are the sees? This is for you guys. You ready? You're going to learn who the Sadducees are. Who are the Sadducees, church? They did not believe in the... That's why they're sad, you see. See, you have the Pharisees. They believe in the resurrection. The Sadducees didn't believe in the resurrection or angels or anything else. So when you're looking in your Bible and it says Sadducees, you always should remember that they're Sadducees because they don't believe in the resurrection. If I didn't believe in the resurrection, oh, what miserable life this would be to think that this is it. I'm going to live all my life, die, go to the grave and be done. Verse 6, Acts chapter 23, verse 6. But when Paul perceived that the one part were Sadducees and the other part, Pharisees, he cried out to the council, men and brethren, I am a Pharisee, the son of a Pharisee, of the hope and resurrection of the dead, I am called in question. Boy, he's getting ready to divide his audience, isn't he? They have the Pharisees, they have the Sadducees, the Sadducees don't believe in the resurrection. And he's going to tell you again, verse 7, and when he had so said, there rose a dissension between the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the multitude was divided. For the Sadducees say that there is no resurrection, neither angel nor spirit, but the Pharisees confess both. Do you know you're told several times that the Sadducees do not believe in the resurrection? How can you be a leader of the nation of Israel and the Bible talks about the resurrection and you don't believe it? How can you be a church and not believe it? You're not really a church. How can you be a believer and not believe it? Well, you can be confused. I'm not going to say you're not a believer. I'm not going to say you're not a Christian because you don't you don't understand everything in the Bible. That's certainly not true. But you ought to understand what the resurrection is about. It's when your mortal body gets a glorified body. It's when you're changed in the twinkling of an eye. It's at the rapture of believers. What's the rapture of the believers? Those that have died will rise first. Those of us which are alive shall be caught up together with them in the clouds. So shall we ever be with the Lord. That's the rapture. That's the resurrection. The Sadducees didn't believe in any of it. I can't imagine. I look forward to the rapture every day. Every day I wake up and say, Lord, could be today. Now, I'm telling you, I thought it was already going to be. So I'm already way past my prime. Prime meaning, you know, it's a prime number. I don't know what all that's about. I'm way past the time that I thought I would still be here. However, I live the principle that I tell people to live. You live as though he's coming back today and you plan as though you're going to be here, grow old, and die. Now, I hadn't reached the last part. I've gotten to grow old, but I didn't get to the die part. But you, you need to live that way. You need to, you need to live in such a way that, that, you're yes, you're looking for Jesus, but it doesn't stymie your efforts to plan for the future. You know, the Bible says parents ought to lay up for the children. Why should you save anything if, if the, if the rapture is going to happen next month? Well, we're all going out of here. Just run the credit cards up, right? Well, <laughs> that was supposed to be, oh, me. You don't do that because you plan as though you're going to be here and you're going to die. You, you children go to college if you're supposed to go to college. Get married if you're supposed to get married. Have children if you're supposed to have children. But don't 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 get defeatist. Don't go, oh, they, things are getting so bad, we just need to quit and give up. No, no, no. When the persecution came upon the church, right here. You know what they did? God says, now get out there and preach some more. And they're out there and, and they arrest them initially. And then the second time they're like, look, we told you not to preach in that name. And basically it's going to be, look, do we obey God or obey you? We choose to obey God. So that's the whole bottom line. Are you going to obey God with whatever it is in your life? I cannot tell you the total totality of God's will for your life. I can tell you this. He wants you to be saved. God is not willing that He should perish. He wants you to live for Him. He wants you to live in such a way that you glorify Him, and by glorifying Him, you please Him. What glorifies God? Maybe something different in my life. I don't suspect that any of you need to do the things that I'm doing in my life. But you don't... I'm not going to be doing the things that you're doing in your life. And I'm talking about, you know, uh, I don't know. Some Somebody here may be an artist. I'm not going to be an artist. I can't even draw an elephant in that game that you play. You know, you draw a little drawing and they guess what it is. My wife can. It makes me sick. My elephant, you know, looks like a potato that's been sliced three times. I don't even know what that looks like. It's the only thing that came to mind. I can't even do the droopy ears. I can't even do the... I mean, I can do this... this, this what's that thing called? <laughs> yeah, the trunk. I, yeah, because I can't even think what the trunk is. I know he's got a trunk. I'm used to the trunk being the back of the car, not the VW with the trunk up front. Whatever that means. So, they were told not to preach in Jesus' name in chapter 4, verse 16. Go ahead and look over there. It's really close. Look at verse 16 of chapter 4. Um, Verse 17. But that it spread no further among the people, let us straightly threaten them that they speak henceforth to no man in this name. And they called them and commanded them not to speak at all, nor to teach in the name of Jesus. Now I've got to tell you, that's like saying sickem. If you tell me I can't pray in the name of Jesus and I can't speak in the name of Jesus, I'm going to say in Jesus' name every time. I'm not going to say in the Son's name. I'm not going to say in my Savior's name. I'm going to say in Jesus' name because the name of Jesus is the thing that people have the hardest time with. But there's no other name under heaven whereby we must be saved except for that name. I mean, I'm in, I, I, I pray before the Chamber of Commerce. I pray before the city council. I pray before the school board. I pray before the Republican club. I'm going to pray before the Republican executive committee come July 15th with the the attorney general right there. And you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to pray in Jesus' name. You'd be shocked how many of those, those people that are in office look at that and go, I'm right there with you. I mean, I, I, I've got to tell you, it, it has been amazing to me to get to know so many of them. Lieutenant Governor, phenomenal Christian. Can't believe it. I mean, the people that are on the governor's staff phenomenal Christians, and not afraid to let you know. Why is this state different? I believe because of the Christian influence that has come about because Christians have gotten engaged in those areas and have influenced the outcome, and that's the reason this state is free. Of course, it's God, but that's what I'm saying. I believe it's it's the reason that this world has some freedom. You know what they were doing in Michigan... Pennsylvania, Ohio, California, and wherever else, Wisconsin, they were locking everything down. You know, they, I bet they would have had it like China. China still got lockdowns. We were in Shanghai, and uh, we walked through those streets, and it's the, everything's lit up. I mean, it's their Wall Street of China. We were there three years ago, right before I became pastor, and between the time I came down here and when I took over the pastorate. They've locked the whole country down. And they're destroying their economy. Why? For a zero COVID policy? What is that? You can wear a mask 99% of the time and still get COVID. It's, it, masks don't stop it anyway. It's, it's, it's molecularly small, that it goes right through those masks. So what do you do? You look at it and you say, thank you, Lord, for putting people in place knowing... Do you know this governor won by less than 1%? And the guy that would have won, if you studied up on him, wow. So what did God do? He said, listen, I am going to take Florida, and really Texas, and I'm going to use them to bring about a a last-ditch effort to save this country. Just like I think he did for four years before this last boondoggle, which I won't get into. Looking at verse 11 again, the Sadducees, they were filled with indignation. Filled with indignation. Look at chapter 4, verse 31. What, What ought you to be filled with? And when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. They spake the Word of God with boldness. By the way, if you're filled with the Holy Ghost, you know what you're going to do? You're going to speak the Word of God with boldness. Look at chapter 8 of um, Acts. Chapter 8, verse 9. Talking about the whole city here. Chapter 8. Verse nine. Let me make sure. Oh, chapter eight, verse eight. The Bible says, "And there was great joy in that city." So they were filled with joy in that city. Look at um, look at chapter thirteen, Acts chapter thirteen. Here's the opposite. Here's the negative one. Paul and Barnabas are preaching, and Verse 44, And the next Sabbath day came almost the whole city together to hear the Word of God. Boy, wouldn't that be great to get the whole city together to hear the Word of God here in Niceville? Don't, don't think it's not possible. I'm telling you, listen, here's what, okay. let's say 9-11. If, if we were engaged in the community at 9-11, in this community... What impact could we have had during that time when people were looking for answers and scared to death? I think that's what it's all about. And you know what? It may happen again, that type of thing. If it happens again, we need to be in a position where people that are looking for answers know who has the answer. Do you know that the reason I got saved was because the guy that was 18 years old... And he was working at a health club, which I was working out here in Niceville. And I lived in Fort Walton, but I worked on the base. I went there. First, I went and talked to a guy in the military, and he, w- he wanted me to get baptized. He just said, hey, you know, he's one of them. He says, look, I can get you baptized tonight. Show me three films with a lot of water in it. I said, no, I don't think so. But there was this 18-year-old that was the manager of this health club. And I said, hey, I want to go to church. Promise me you'll be there, he says. And I promised him that I would come to church with him that Sunday. And I told you the story. I was living on Okaloosa Island at the the end where you first come in. There was a fourplex there. And the guy on the end of the island says, yeah, I'll go to church with you. You pick the church. I said, I already got the church. He said, well, I'll come pick you up. I said, all right. He didn't pick me up. And I drove down there. He says, hey, we can just sit here. He's got two beers popped. He said, we can just sit here in these two recliners and watch them on television, the televangelists. He didn't call them that, but that's what they were. I said, no, I promised this 18-year-old young man that I'd go to church. Why did I talk to Clint? Because I knew he was a Christian. If I didn't know he was a Christian... I never would have ended up at that church. I never would have ended up in the apartment where they led me to the Lord. I never would have ended up at this church after salvation. But I did because he, 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 he put himself out there as a Christian. And I, start, I was looking for answers. A guy put a gun to my head and I said, hey, that's it. I'm off this island. I'm not going to party so much. I'm going to go to church and find a wife. I'm going to go to college at night. And that's what I did. And guess what? took me eight years to find a wife, but only three months to find Jesus. Thank God he was faster than Judy. (laughs) Just kidding. (laughs) It took that long for me to be where I needed to be, to be half the husband that I would become later, or whatever you want to put in that that scenario. God had to work on me quite a while to get me to where um, I was... Able to be lived with. Okay, there you go. Birthday, and I mean that too. There's only one person on this earth that could have married me, and she's right there. And like I said, like I said, you know, she do not want to go to jail for murder, so we've stayed together. <laughs> not really. Right, hon? She said, Right. Whew. You always, As a lawyer, you're always supposed to know the answer before you ask a question. Good thing I'm a preacher. I had no idea what the answer was going to be. Yes, I did. You're great, huh? Look at verse 18. And they laid their hands on the apostles and put them in the common prison. But, you see that word but? It's found six times in chapter 5. Of Acts chapter 5, that word but is in there six times. It's found in verse 1. But a certain man named Ananias... Found in verse 3, but Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled thine heart? And then it goes through in 19, 21, 22, and 39. Six times that word, but. So here they laid their hands on him, but the angel of the Lord shows up. And the angel of the Lord, by night, opened the prison doors, brought them forth, and said, go, stand and speak in the temple to the people all the words of this life. Of this life. What an amazing statement. It's a way of life. John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. It is a life. Does Christianity know that in general? No. Well, why do you go to church? Well, I, I, I go because you know I feel like it's important to do and it, it, it's my responsibility to, to darken the doors. No. It's because it's a life. It ought to be your life. It ought to be every, everything in your life ought to revolve around your Christian walk. He says, but the angel of the do- Lord by night opened the prison doors, brought them forth and said, go stand and speak in the temple uh, to the people, all the words of this life. And when they heard that, what he said, they entered into the temple early in the morning and taught, ah, but the high priest came and they that were with him and called the council together. Boy, councils are usually bad. And all the senate of the children of Israel and sent to the prison to have them brought. So now they're going to the prison, but they're not there anymore. The angel of the Lord busted them out. But, you know, I hope if I ever go to prison, I'm actually on the other side of the door. You know, If I ever get locked up, man, I'm going to be saying, Lord, name it, claim it, man. No, you can't name it, claim it. He may not break us out of prison. But you know what? You ought to have the best prison ministry you can have. I mean, why would you sulk? Remember when Paul and Silas were thrown into prison Acts chapter 16? What they do? They sang hymns and praises to God. That's what it's about. Verse 22, the officers came found them not in the prison. They returned and told, saying, The prison truly found we shut with all safety, and the keepers standing without before the doors. But when we had opened, we found no man within. Now, when the high priest and the captain of the temple and the chief priest heard these sayings, they doubted of them whereunto this would grow. That is peculiar terminology. They didn't praise God. They said, I... Wow, and we're going to have to... How's this going to grow? What, who, who's going to say what? Remember, remember that Jesus we put in that tomb. We put officers out there and we put a seal on it. And lo and behold, three days later, He was gone. And look what's happened from that. How's this thing going to grow? By the way, that is what Christianity is. We grow. We grow. We don't force people to become Christians. You can't. You cannot force a person to become a Christian. It is something that is a choice that has to be made in the heart. So they want to know how it's going to grow. Verse 25, then came one of them and told them came one and told them, saying, "Behold the men whom ye put in prison are standing in the temple and teaching the people." Now wouldn't you think that's a miracle? Then went the captain. "...with the officers and brought them without violence, for they feared the people, lest they should have been stoned." Why? People were intent in listening to what they had to say. Don't ever think that just because you've got a Christian message that nobody wants to hear it. We have done that where we think we have to apologize for the fact that we believe in Jesus Christ. The world has taught us that. Churches have taught us that. Preaching and teaching has taught us that. I'm here to tell you that I don't have to apologize when I stand up before a group and they know I'm a pastor, they know I'm a chaplain. I stand up before the police department. I'm chaplain of Niceville Police Department. Listen, they they ask me to pray, I pray in Jesus' name. And you know what I like is when some of them come up to me and they go, um, hey brother, you know, and they mean it. They mean it because they know what I mean. How would they know that if I don't put it out there and I don't make myself uh, able to be approached? I remember one, well, I can't tell you these stories. Never mind. No, 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 no. I still live in Niceville and so do they. Verse 27 The council said in verse 28 Did not we straightly command you that you should not teach in this name? And behold, you have filled Jerusalem with your doctrine and intend to bring this man's blood upon us. Turn to Matthew chapter 27. Remember they said, you intend to bring this man's blood upon us. And you know where I'm going, I think. Yeah, they asked for it. Matthew chapter 27, let's start in verse 4 though, because Judas is talking in verse 3. He repented himself, saying, I have sinned in that I have betrayed thee, innocent blood, and they said, what is that to us? See thou to it. Boy, they put an innocent man to death, and the guy that put him there repented of it, they didn't care. And now they've got the results of it because now he's died and instead of it, instead of it dying, it's flourishing. That's Christianity. Christianity, when it's persecuted, flourishes. You go to China and you go in those rooms with those, uh, young people. Most of them are college age because, you know, they know English also. And we, you know, I've got three chapters in one of my book where I talk about the Chinese language and how you can get the gospel out of there. And they start seeing that and they go, man, our ancestors believed in God. Then you start leading them to who Jesus is. He's the Lamb and some of their words say, uh, you know, they they have different symbols and you break the symbols down into component parts and it says I or me under the Lamb and you show them that's Jesus that they were talking about. And it was. They've got the whole story of Adam and Eve in the garden and it is just amazing. And you see their zeal. and Do you, you, know, you know that if you were caught in, in one of those churches over there, in one of the apartments, that they can take your apartment, get you fired from your job, take everything you've got. They can put you in jail, but they don't have to. They can take everything you've got. And yet those young people are singing out at the top of their lungs. You say, oh, that's not wise. You tell them that. You tell them that, that, and listen, we don't encourage it because we don't want to be the ones that say, hey, you're not right with God if you don't make a joyful noise and sing as loud as you can. And, you know, in fact, you tell them, you do know the consequences of this. And you make sure they understand the consequences and you know what you get. You know who's really, truly saved many times. Some of, them, you know, some of them are, are saved, but they, they, they may not want to do it. But I didn't see any of them. All of them singing out, singing out, singing out. Listen, that's what Christianity does. You persecute Christianity and it grows. So then go, same chapter, chapter 27, look at verse 24. When Pilate saw he could, know, could prevail nothing, but that rather tumult was made, he took water and washed his hands. Before the multitude, saying, I am innocent of the blood of this just person, see ye to it. Then answered all the people and said, His blood be on us and on our children. Huh. And now they want to say, what are you trying to do? Put his, put, put his blood on us, what's the words they use? What do you To bring this man's blood upon us, that's the very thing they asked for. Be careful what you ask for. They didn't want... It's like, look, we're innocent. No, you're not. You crucified the Lord of glory. You betrayed the innocent blood. You said you didn't care, put His blood upon us and upon our children. Now, I will tell you this, lest there be an anti-Semitic bone in your body. Remember, Jesus said on the cross, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. So even if they asked for that blood to be put upon them, when Jesus prayed that prayer, they were forgiven of that sin. So very important. Because there are people that say, well, the Jews, and they get anti-Semitic because they think, well, they asked for it. Well, wait a minute. Jesus negated all that. You can't use that as an argument. Don't you dare use that as an argument. Don't you dare get anti-Semitic against the Jews. You say, oh, well, those in the nation, listen, I've been over there. The the religious Jews are problematic, but you, you you, you can't look at them and go, God doesn't care about that land because He does. It's not our land to divide. It's not our land to split. It is not our business to do with God's people and God's land that way. Yes, they are broken off. They are blinded. And you see it when you're over there. But let me tell you something. You can get through to some of them, and boy, they are, they are some of the best Christians. I don't believe in Messianic Christianity. You know, I believe that you know, it's like Asian American, you know. Either you're an American or you're not. I'm not a Caucasian American. I'm an American. I'm not, I'm, I'm not this kind of Christian or that kind of Christian or that kind of Christian... I'm a Christian, and every one of us ought to be that way. If you say, Well, I'm a Messianic Jew and you want to keep the law, well, you're out of the will of God. Law, you know, I want to keep the Sabbath day, it's nailed to the cross. You can't can't do that and be right with God. You have to decide am I going to accept the truth and realize? and, and, And by the way, when a Jew gets saved, many times they are ostracized from their family completely. But I'll tell you what, if they get hold of Christianity, it's worth it. That's why Jesus said, I didn't come to send peace, I, I came to send division. Not division amongst a, a, a family group centered on Christ, but one that's not centered on Christ. And then you get centered on Christ and the rest don't. There's a division there. And you have to live with it. I have to live with it. And we have to determine, listen, we're going to put God first. I remember when I first got saved, it was not hunky-dory in the household of Stoffer. I made some decisions and I put Christ first. And it cost me for a long time. But you know what? I look back and I go, wow, Lord. If I knew where I was today, and I told you about my dad, sixty or eighty-six years old. He gets saved, calls me up and says, "Hey, I just want to let you know at ten forty-seven uh, this morning, I, the, the church came over and I accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior." And man, he's going to church Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, and he's talking like 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 me. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm in the twilight zone. I mean, a good Christian twilight zone. It's a good thing to be in that Twilight Zone. But I'm just shocked. That's less than a year ago. I wouldn't change anything to get us to where we got. Nothing. No regrets. By the way, that's one of the greatest things in life you can have. No regrets. Do you have regrets? But let me explain something, because I, I, I get this a lot. And I, I told this analogy the other day about somebody that went and took a job in, in Knoxville. It's a friend of Heather's. and um, Then they lost their job. And then Heather's comment was, well, they left Florida and went up there and they took this job and and now they lost the job and they, they knew it was the will of God. How do you know the will of God? And I just said, well, how do you know that God didn't want them to lose the job? That He wanted them to take and lose. The problem is we only look at the here and now and like I'm telling you, I got saved 42 years ago and my dad got saved 42 years later. Now we have a different bond. He he told um, our daughter when they were here a couple of weeks ago, he says, man, we should have moved down here, whatever it was, a year or two ago. Of course, we didn't have a house to house them in. Couldn't stay in the motorhome. But that's what he said. And by the way, he loved it down here. Loved it. I took him to the Crispy Warriors over there with all the military guys and the generals and the admirals, retired and, and oh man, pilots galore, and, and, um, and uh, Representative Maney and I always go together. But he's sitting there with Representative Maney, and he's a retired general, and they're talking and talking and talking. My dad leaves there, and he's going, Oh man, these are my people. He loved it, he loved the church here. It's so cool that for years I would have to say, I'm going to church you guys got to go to church. We need to all go to church. Rawr, 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 you know, and, and all that stuff. Now we went up to Pennsylvania and, and visited him, and, and um, we got in real late, and I guess he wasn't trying to impose on us, so about quarter to seven on a Wednesday night, he said, well, I'll see you guys in about an hour. I said, where are you going? He says, I'm going to church. I thought, well, yeah, well you should have at least invited us. But he didn't want to impose, and he just wanted to go to the church and you know do his thing and then he'd see us after church. That's my dad. Don't ever give up hope. Do not give up hope. You don't know what God is doing behind the scenes where you can't see it until later on. And then you get over here, and then you look back with twenty twenty vision, you go, oh, wow, God, you did this and this and this and this. That's not the way I'd have done it. Oh, that's okay. that's okay, God, but you did this, and now I'm here. And you look back and go, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. But you can't do that until you're on the other side unless you get into the habit of thank you, Lord, because you know what's best. So, I did not want to get into verse 29 because I got more notes on verse 29 and 30 than I could shake a stick at right now. So, we will go ahead and stand together. Let's pray. Lord, we do thank You for Your many blessings. Thank You for sending Jesus Christ to die on that cross. Thank You for the Bible. Thank You for the lessons that we can learn Lord, I think about all the mistakes that I made in life and all the mistakes I didn't have to make. And the ones that I didn't have to make, I wish that uh, I had more wisdom at the time. Thank you for the wisdom that you give us. Thank you for the direction you give us. Thank you for everything that you do. You care for us. You love us. You're merciful, gracious. You're long-suffering, omnipotent. Everything is so good about you. Thank You for that. In Jesus' name, with your head bowed and eyes closed.